This is the Turf Zone Podcast, your central information and news hub, bringing together professionals from turf associations across multiple states to share things to help you in your business. Brought to you in partnership with our friends at the Maryland Turfgrass Council. This episode is sponsored in part by BISOD, world-class service on demand. Visit us online at www.bysod.com. Now, let's get in the zone. Welcome to the Turf Zone. In this episode, we feature an article titled, Planning and Procedures for Spring Seeding, A Good Job Can't Be Done on the Cheap, written by Peter H. Dernoden, Ph.D., Professor Emeritus, University of Maryland. Spring seeding is fraught with problems, but winter is a good time to prepare. Some basics include getting a soil test, selecting quality seed blends and mixtures, addressing seedbed weeds with an appropriate herbicide, ensuring irrigation for dry periods, using composts, and providing erosion control measures. While spring seedings are much more troublesome than those performed in the fall, planning is the key to success. Cost is always a major factor, but a good job can't be done on the cheap. Soil testing is a step that too many professionals ignore. For big jobs, it is a must, and it's fast and easy. Getting a handle on soil pH is an important first step since it will greatly influence nutrient availability for many years. The best time to address soil pH extremes, and thus nutrient availability, is just prior to establishment when there is bare and open soil. With ground open, you can apply much larger amounts of either pulverized limestone, use where pH is less than 6.0, or elemental flowers sulfur, use if pH is greater than 7.0, to more effectively address pH extremes. It's also the best time to address nutrient deficiencies, especially phosphorus. If you wait until after establishment, it may take hundreds of pounds of lime per 1,000 square foot applied over a period of years to set things right. A good target number is pH 6.5, and a soil test will give you guidelines on amounts of lime needed. Do this first, and acquire enough lime according to a soil test, and incorporate, apply, and till the lime prior to seeding. New construction sites in particular need to be sampled properly since there normally are excavations, trees removed, topsoil improperly stockpiled, fill introduced, and then everything mixed, pushed around, and graded. Soil pH can vary greatly, even in a small area if soil is drastically disturbed. For example, in my lawn, an area carved from a wooded lot, I found pH ranging from 4.1 probably subsoil moved to the surface, to 5.8, probably topsoil. A big mistake is that too many just grab a spade full of soil for testing. So take the time to get a proper sample from at least three separate areas, say front, middle, and back. Use a simple soil probe and take a dozen or more random samples from a three to four inch depth in each of the three or more separate sites. Other important numbers are those pertaining to phosphorus and potassium levels, as well as organic matter percentages. A starter fertilizer is invariably used at seeding 
and contains a combination of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. For most purposes, the starter is formulated in roughly a 5 to 1 ratio, but it can vary and the soil test will indicate a proper ratio. The important thing for a spring seeding is to choose a starter that has about 50% of its nitrogen in a slow-release form. Phosphorus is another key element that should be applied to bare soil at establishment. The only way to boost organic matter levels in soils is to incorporate a recommended material prior to seeding. The problem is that nobody ever figured out how best to proceed. Indeed, the idea of incorporating topsoil, way too expensive, can be an act of futility. Potential problems with topsoil include the following. Without testing, how are you to know its pH, nutrient and organic matter content, whether it has a poor ratio of clays and fines, whether it contains heavy metals or salts, etc. Finally, topsoil is heavy and trucking expenses likely will greatly exceed the cost of the soil. There was a landmark study conducted at the University of Maryland as it relates to organic matter manipulation in soils of established turf. A seven-year study showed that no matter how much organic fertilizer, ringer, sustain, and millorganite was applied to the turf surface, they had zero impact on boosting organic matter, as well as microbial populations below the thatch layer and in the root zone. Soil conditioners. Most soil conditioners are composts and sphagnum peat moss. They are incorporated into poor soils to improve water and nutrient holding capacity. Composts are partially decomposed organic matter and include cow manure, paper mill byproducts, mushroom soils, sewage sludges, aka biosolids, and yard waste materials, composted leaves, clippings, twigs, chipped branches, etc., and byproducts of arborists. The most common compost that contains high levels of humus that I am aware of is called leaf grow, produced by Maryland Environmental Services in Montgomery County, Maryland. Leaf grow is the product of very well decomposed grass clipping and yard leaves. It is very dark, almost black in color, has a pleasant earthy odor, and contains high levels of humus thoroughly decomposed organic matter via microbes. What makes high humus products better than peat moss and probably other composted materials is that these products have superior water holding capacity, 225% by weight, and nutrient hold capacity, and freedom of hydrophobic properties. Leaf grow is far less expensive than most other soil conditioners. Sphagnum peat, yard and forest composts, and similar products. Peat moss is a primitive plant that contains no vascular system and is comprised of primitive branches, tiny, one-cell thick, leaves, and root-like rhizoids. Peat can be used in turf as a soil conditioner because it provides improved nutrient and water-holding capacities. Peat moss, however, is water-repellent, hydrophobic, and needs to be mixed with a wetting agent. Most products are mixed with perlite. Perlite is included since it aids in water infiltration and thus improves aeration. One of the best known peat moss products is Miracle Grow, but there are a multitude of similar sphagnum peat moss products. 
Peat moss is expensive compared to organic yard waste composts and thus is used mostly in potting mixes. General information on selection and use of composts can be found in Establishment of Lawns and Compost and Microclover in the Chesapeake Bay Watershed, found by Googling Maryland Turfgrass Council Publications. The publication covers soil modification with composts, noting that a proper material can improve soil structure, increase nutrient and water retention, and provide nutrients. Yard trimmings probably are the most commonly used composts in turf. Yard trimming composts should be dark brown to black in color, loose and crumbly, and have an earthy odor. Avoid products smelling like ammonia or sulfur. Composts should be free of large, whitish-gray, undercomposed wood chips. Small, degraded, rotted slivers will be present. Have a carbon-nitrogen ratio of about 30 to 1 and a pH range of 6.0 to 7.5. University of Maryland researchers Dr. Tom Turner and Dave Funk performed pioneer work in using leaf grow as a soil conditioner for turf. To improve soil before seeding and sodding, apply a compost, leaf grow, to the soil surface with a 1-inch layer, 3 cubic yards per 1,000 square feet, or 2-inch layer, 6 cubic yards per square foot. The compost needs to be incorporated via rototilling into the upper 4 to 6 inches of soil, which is easier said than done. Using more than a 2-inch topical layer is extremely difficult to properly mix into the upper 4 to 6 inch soil. Excessively wet composts and soils cannot be thoroughly mixed. It's important that the compost be thoroughly mixed and not allowed to form clumps and layers. Seed selection. For most situations, including lawns, roughs, sod production, sports fields, and other professionally managed areas, a blend two or three cultivars of tall fescue mixed with about 3 to 5% Kentucky bluegrass is best. Regionally adapted turf cultivars for mixes can be obtained from any county extension office. In Delaware and Maryland, use University of Maryland's TT77 recommended turfgrass cultivars for certified sod production and seed mixtures in Maryland. Google Maryland Turfgrass Council publications. Spring seeding and herbicides. There are too many scenarios to address here as it relates to seedbed preparation. Tilling, leveling, incorporating a recommended organic product, especially helpful in sandy as well as clay subsoils, and firming are the basics. Assuming a uniform grade, killing existent vegetation and disc and drill seeds also work well. After the seedbed has been prepared, it is very important to apply a seedbed-safe pre-emergence herbicide like Tenacity, Mesotrion, and Tupersan, Siduron. The reason being is that the most common cause for spring seeding failures comes from weed competition. While Tupersan is highly effective on crabgrass and foxtails, it has little or no impact on broadleaf weeds and sedges. Tenacity has been a major game changer in successful spring seedings because it safely targets a multitude of common broadleaf and sedge weeds as well as crabgrass. 
For best results, apply tenacity at or just after seeding, and then apply a second time four to six weeks later. Use a high label tenacity rate, six ounces of product per acre, if seeding in Roundup kill vegetation. It works wonders in reducing weed competition, thus allowing seedlings to tiller and for stands to mature more rapidly. Note, tenacity is highly toxic to bent grasses. When seeding bent grass, use 2% in the seedbed for safe and effective pre-emergence control of crabgrass and foxtails, not likely to control goosegrass or broadleaf weeds. Tenacity use will easily pay for itself, factoring in labor, time and cost to purchase and apply different herbicides, targeting broadleaf and annual grass weeds. Tenacity is safe to use on cool season grass seedlings, except bent grass, but can bleach, discolor, or thin seedlings if excessive rates are applied in overlaps, etc. Irrigation can be a wild card. If available, it will greatly enhance success. In our region, irrigation generally is not needed in the spring until seedlings emerge. Seedling emergence is governed mostly by soil temperature in spring and timely rains that keep the seedbed moist. In general, it's best to wait until mid-April to seed and ensure soil temperatures are warm enough to promote turfgrass seed germination. Irrigation should be withheld as long as soils are moist, which again is likely to be the case in most springs. What you need to worry about most is the potential of soil erosion and seed washing in response to spring rain deluges. If the area is mostly bare soil that is prone to erosion, slopes, the site should be top-dressed by lightly scattering either straw, make sure you have a reliable weed-free source, compost, or straw or paper blankets. Mulching newly planted seed beds helps to retain moisture, moderates temperature, and reduces erosion, movement of seed and soil off-site due to heavy rain events. Straw comes in bales of cereal grains, wheat, rye, barley, or oats. Any small amount of cereal seed present will actually be helpful. Grains germinate fast and help to hold soil in place, yet plants die out quickly when mowed. Straw should be applied to ensure there are sufficient openings to the soil surface, which allows for sunlight penetration. Too much straw could promote disease or cause weak and spindly growth, whereas too little will not help retain soil moisture or prevent erosion. Rates of 80 to 100 pounds of straw per 1,000 square feet, a bale weighs about 35 pounds. Steep slopes may require more straw, and in some cases netting or string tie-downs to hold straw in place. Straw should be raked or blown or otherwise removed once stands have good density. There are also numerous straw blanket products on the market, which often are utilized by professionals when soils get cold from late fall, November, to early spring, March. On severe slopes and in water drainage patterns and swales, straw blankets may be the best option in preventing excess erosion. Straw blankets are weed-free, effective, and should have at least a six-month durability on-site. Hence, they are much more expensive to use versus straw bales. For patchwork, yard trimming composts are effective. 
leaf growth. Simply apply about one inch of compost over bare areas, apply liberal amounts of seed, like peppering a steak, rake seed in, and lightly tamp. For all resources associated with this article, check out our show notes. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit us at theturfzone.com. You've been listening to The Turf Zone. Thank you to our sponsors, including Buy Sod, world-class service on demand. Visit us online at www.buysod.com. For more episodes of The Turf Zone, visit theturfzone.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app.